If you're new here, we have been beginning the book of Mark, and we come to the end of chapter 1, and if you got your Bibles, you can open there to Mark chapter 1, verse 40. It is a book that really gives different snapshots of the life of Christ, and we want to, we're going to look at one here this morning, and let's begin by reading the passage here this morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, and said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, this would have been Jesus, and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and the people were coming to him from every quarter." Today, the story of Jesus healing a leper. But before we dig in a little bit to the story, I need to give you some understanding to this disease that we call leprosy. And the reason for that, it really adds to the depth, I think, of the story and the understanding of the story. Leprosy is a chronic infection caused by bacteria, and it can begin without any real symptoms even. Matter of fact, as I was reading on it, sometimes it can go unnoticed for up to five years or even longer. But throughout history, it really has been a pretty horrible disease, and and it has great implications how people have had to live their lives. And, And I don't know if you realize, but it wasn't until 1982 that a treatment that is kind of a combination of drugs that finally began to tackle the disease in earnest. But according to the latest World Health Organization statistics, last year, 2014, there were 213,000 cases around the world. Now, over half of them were in India. But leprosy begins to reveal itself by damaging the small nerves in the skin's surface. And the first outward sign is usually where you'll have a discolored patch and you won't have any feeling at that spot. There's no feeling. And if it's not, if it's not treated, it begins to spread and go to the larger nerves, uh, oftentimes the, the elbow and the wrist, the knees, the ankles, the feet. And there's really, what happens is there's no feeling in those areas. For example, I read an example of a man uh, that was a leper who sprained his ankle very seriously, and he had torn ligaments and torn tendons, and but he didn't even feel it. He just kind of adjusted his walk, and he just kept walking. But understand that that it, it can continue, and all, oftentimes it results in in just the the change of the physical areas of of the clawed fingers and deformity. The loss of sensation, though, means that everyday activities are are a little bit kind of a roll of the dice. Uh, simple burns, they they go unrecognized. There's, they don't feel them. Um, stones. You think of walking with a stone in your shoe. You don't feel it. 
And all of a sudden, there's an ulcer that's created, develops. And I understand healing is difficult for them and become infected. So oftentimes, some of the body parts then begin to rot away. I want to show a picture of, of, of a hand. Here's hands of a leper where obviously amputation, but pieces have been just damaged beyond belief. That's a leper. But it can also damage the nerves in the face. And, and I don't know if you realize, the eyelids actually can start not working, so it leaves the eyes unprotected, and they can be damaged, and it can often lead to blindness. And then it damages actually the bones and the cartilage in the nose area, causing it to collapse and flatten out. And that's a common facial trait within people affected by leprosy. And even inside the nose, and here's a picture of that. But inside the nose, there's constant nosebleeds and chronic stuffy nose in terms of their agony that they go through. There was a doctor in England, maybe you know the name of Paul Brand. And he was a missionary doctor, and he dedicated his life to working in the leper colonies of India. And he wrote about the story of a man who began to wash, a leper who began to wash, scoop up water and wash his face, not realizing that it was scalding water. And all of a sudden, he's splashing water in his eyes, and the man goes blind as a result of that. Do you catch the cruelty of this disease. But even beyond that, there's usually a stench with people that have leprosy. Rotting flesh can be smelled at great distances. Think of leaving some hamburger out or some meat out on the counter for days and days and what that would smell like. See, at, at the time of Christ, there were great challenges in the physical realm. We, we look at the doctors and we go to the doctor so, so quickly and, and it really works. But back then, they didn't have the medicine was just was, it was so far behind that we have today. But here's the challenge. The physical realm was there for the lepers, but there were a couple other pieces that impacted them almost as much. The first one was in the relational world is that they had to withdraw from people. All of a sudden, there was a social and a relational consequence to that leprosy. And, and the third one was beyond the physical and the social, was the spiritual. It impacted them. Matter of fact, let me show you Leviticus chapter 13. You'll see why there was impact in these areas. Look at verse 45. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. See, the leper kneeling before Jesus. Just think of this picture. He was doomed to isolation. And he was confined to outside the city limits. And recognized that there was so little treatment in terms of diseases, particularly the skin diseases. So they were labeled as unclean. And they were to be avoided. And, and matter of fact, there was two that were kind of on the top of the list in terms of severity. 
And the first one is if you touched a dead corpse, at that point you were labeled unclean and you had to withdraw from people. They were worried that you were going to catch something that maybe that person had died from. But the second was leprosy as well as on the top of the list. And so people were banished to live away from people until a priest would come to them and see if if all of the ailments were gone and he would look at them from a little distance and he would deem them either clean or still unclean. But do you understand the challenge of relationships at that point? If they were clean, they finally could go back to their family and live amongst family and friends. So understand the life of this leper living outside of the family. And it takes a long time sometimes for the disease to even bring death on for these people. It would be 20 or more years. But think about that context of year after year after year going on and never feeling the touch of a person, never receiving a hug, never having someone come up and hold out their hand and go, shake your hand. That was to be avoided. And I don't know if this man was married, but there would have undoubtedly been married people that would have gotten the disease and never been able to touch, hold hands, touch an arm, touch a shoulder. There was no touch allowed. See, it was against the law to touch a leper. And on top of that, the leper needed to watch. And he needed to watch for this. If people were coming, walking toward him or her, you understand what they had to do? Matter of fact, in that culture, many of them would carry a bell. And they would ring the bell and go, unclean, unclean. They would yell that out so people could avoid them and go around them. See, this, this man was doomed to relational and social isolation. But it had that spiritual impact as well. Do you realize that this leper, he couldn't walk into the temple. He couldn't go to Jerusalem to worship for all the festivals. He couldn't hand a sacrifice to a priest. He was isolated spiritually. Now, it does tell us a few times that history reveals that there was a few synagogues that actually were big enough where they would put a back corner and an area where the lepers could hang out. But undoubtedly, it would have been at a spot where they would have been almost impossible to hear the teaching that was going on. See, no spiritual connection with people, with God's family. See, that's the leper here that we're talking about. Physical effects, relational impact, spiritual consequences as a result of that person's leprosy. But there's another point here that i got to bring out here before we dig into the text. Because there is a dimension that we need to realize as we apply this today that almost everyone, good scholars who work on this text, would point this out. That God has chosen leprosy to have a spiritual application with it. See, what God has done, he's taken the physical disease of leprosy and he's made it equal in one sense to sin. And it's because we need to understand the issue of sin in our lives. See, God has chosen to use this disease 
in a real harsh way, really for us to understand our own sinfulness. Now here's how we need to approach the text today. Mark gives a snapshot of these two characters, the first one, the leper. And as we look at the attitude, so we're going to look at the attitude and and just see the symbolism, though, how his response to Jesus, how it fits with our needed response, even with sin in our lives. But then we need to look at the character of Jesus, and we see Jesus' character here, and we see how that fits with the problem of sin in our lives as well. So that's how we're going to approach the text here this morning. But look at verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Now, this man again was supposed to avoid Jesus. But it says he came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling before him. And if Jesus was walking toward him, he was supposed to be yelling, Unclean, unclean, stay away. But he didn't do that. But, but here's where I think we got to assume one other thing in the text. Someone had been communicating to this man about Jesus from a distance, obviously, but somebody was telling him, this guy, Jesus, can help you. And, and understand, I think this is what was going on. I, I believe the Holy Spirit, the work, there was something happening in this man's heart where faith was beginning to, to be developed. And this man be, came to believe that Jesus could heal him. So rather than shrink back, avoid Jesus, stay a victim to disease, he musters up the courage and the boldness and he approaches Jesus, stench and all. But see, here's where we need to apply it to us and, and the pieces in our lives, the brokenness in our lives. Number one, for your notes, if you're following along, I said it this way. It takes great boldness and humility to move toward Jesus to deal with brokenness and our own sin. This man was bold, an unclean man, approaching someone he wasn't supposed to approach. But there was deep humility in this man. See, he kneeled before him. It wasn't some defiant attitude that says, Jesus, prove it to me that you're the Son of God. Heal me right now. He wasn't demanding at all. No, there was this attitude actually of humility that penetrated his heart. Um, As I was studying here this week, I had this this thought came to me, and I'm going... uh, There there was a, a young man, it was almost three years ago exactly this month, he, he called me up and he said, Ken, can I come up and see you? He was from the Brainerd area. And, and he came up and he began to, he sat in front of me and he began to admit that he was in an affair with another woman. And he admitted his brokenness and he, uh, you could see how God was working in him. But as I thought of that piece, and I think here's the piece, he had courage to look into his heart and to see that, that, there was, that he had sinned against God and that he didn't want to live this way anymore. You see, the deal with sin calls us 
to have courage and humility. See, we need to admit that just maybe we have some leprosy within us. And do we have the courage to admit that that's the state of our hearts? That there's some potential leprosy. It's not physical, but in the spiritual sense, the leprosy of sin. Maybe we're trapped by the sin of gossip. Or, or maybe we're trapped by words that we give toward people or spouses of not, they're just unwholesome words. They don't build up and give life, they give death. Or, or maybe we're trapped in the bondage of money. That, that our whole life is consumed with money and success and having all the stuff. Or maybe we're trapped in some sexual sin or, or, or sin outside the marriage. Or maybe there's a gambling addiction or pornography or the sin of homosexuality. You can name a number of things there. See, there, that's the leprosy that can be within us. But Jesus is inviting us to have courage, to humble ourselves in the sight of him, to walk boldly toward him like this leper. Are we willing to be bold and deal with it? But there's another application here. And I think this points to the character of the leper, that he's admitting something. Notice the words, if you will. The second application there is this, real healing for our own sin and brokenness. Calls us to trust him. Trust him. And to bend our wills toward him, toward Christ. That's the heart of this leper here. He wasn't demanding that Jesus heal him. He bent his will toward Jesus and said, if you are willing. Jesus, I'm leaving the restoration in your hands of what that is to look like. Thy will be done was the attitude of his heart. So I think when we jump back to us, are we willing to bend our wills toward Christ? And second, do we believe that when we do that, that he actually can change us from the inside out and heal us? See, this man believed and trusted that God was good, that Christ was going to heal him. And so uh, just that humility, will you heal me, Jesus? There was a faith in that that was growing. But if you're in a situation right now, is there somehow doubt, you know what, that God can't heal, that Christ can't heal, that he might not have the power to, to do what he needs to do in, in your life? Can I say, he does. But it takes trusting. It, it takes courage to bend our wills to him. So do we have the courage to admit that we might be trapped, trapped in the bondage to our own will? And we love the I, the self, and that overpowers, it just sucks in on the self, and we really don't have the ability to love Christ fully. Can we admit that we become a people like, like the people in, where it states in Judges, everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Is that the heart of where we're at? Or are we bending to him and trusting him and say, Jesus, thy will be done. Jesus, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. But you, you really got to catch the picture of this man. He wasn't looking for a supernatural healing trick. I don't really believe that. Yeah, he wanted to be healed, but there was something within his heart that was changing. It's changing. But let me look at the character of Jesus for a moment here. Look at verse 41. 
moved with pity. He stretched out his hand. Jesus stretches out his hand and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Now there's an interesting note here. He doesn't use the word healed. He uses the word clean. And there's a, a spiritual significance of that, that this was more than just healing. He could have been healed. But Jesus said, you are now clean. There's a spiritual connotation there. But look at verse 41. Move to pity. He stretched that out. You catch the, the weight of that. Let, let me give you the application. Number three. Remember that Jesus, he knows the condition of our heart and he's still filled with compassion. And isn't that good news? Jesus sees this poor man. He sees his condition. He doesn't shrink back. He presses into the man. And I suspect the picture would have been this. The crowds would have been 10, 15, 20 feet away in back of him. They would have seen the leper come up to him. The four disciples that he had called at that point, they would have been back with the crowd. But Jesus doesn't fear the leper. And I think people would have looked at that as Jesus touched him. They would have gasped and go, oh, Jesus just touched him. But you notice the reason why. It was compassion. The feeling of deep sympathy for this man. The ESV uses pity. It could be filled with compassion. That might be your version. But it was this strong desire to alleviate his suffering. So when Jesus looked at this poor, wretched man, he saw his condition and he was stirred to action. Jesus loved this man. He saw something in him that he wanted to love. He loved him like a brother, like a son, and you go, man, that's really good news for us. Because see, when Jesus sees our brokenness, when he sees our sinfulness, he has compassion, not disgust. See, he wants us to be bold to come to him for a touch, to be set free from the bondage of sin, from the power of sin. See, Jesus looks at people differently. Sin didn't disgust him. It, it grieved him. You know, I, I, as I was digging, I, I thought came to me, and I thought came to me that said something like this. You know, I, I wonder the degree that we don't look at the leprosy within our own lives. And if we're trapped there by that kind of leprosy, my hunch is that it's really hard to have compassion on other people's sin. To say it another way, I think if we humble ourselves toward Jesus, when we bend our wills to him, he changes us in the inside and he actually gives us an understanding and able to give grace in a way that's very different and to demonstrate love that's very different. See, when that happens, when, when sin takes place, we tend to look at people with disgust and you go, is that really what Jesus did? I think of at times when you watch television, you'll see a, a GLBT parade. And what would Jesus respond to that? Would it be disgust or would he have compassion on those people that are broken and in bondage to sin? I think you'd be heartbroken. 
because of their unwillingness to see their own leprosy. I think he would grieve because they refuse to believe in the power of Jesus that Jesus can heal. I think he'd be grieved that they're unwilling to bend their wills to him and bow before him. See, these people are stuck. They believe a lie that God wants them to be happy. And Jesus is going, but I want you to be holy, not just happy. See, Jesus looks at us with compassion, not disgust. There's another application, number four. Remember, Jesus can touch the worst of sinners and he can make them clean. I understand by reaching out and touching this man, he was not supposed to do that. And he, he reaches out and he says, touching him, I will. I'm going to make you clean. But the purity of Christ in touching him, it didn't defile him. He touches something that's unclean. It doesn't make him unclean. And that's the good news for us. See, because of his compassion and love, he makes that which is unclean and filthy, he turns it into clean. It's clean again. But just ponder that. He reaches out and he touches this man who hadn't been touched probably in years. In years. And I don't know what the leper expected, but I'm wondering if there's a recoiling where Jesus goes like, and, he, and he, this guy maybe pulls back. I don't know. But imagine the surprise again of the crowd behind him watching this. Oh, what, look what he did. But think of how wonderful that would have been for that leper who socially had been isolated and Jesus comes and he lays his hands on him. And all of a sudden, he's healed. But catch this. All of a sudden, where he wouldn't have felt it normally, there would have been almost no feeling for him. And, and somehow, all of a sudden, there's this feeling that, and this memory comes back to this guy. And he goes, I'm being touched. And he hadn't been touched in years. Just think of the joy of what, what that moment for that, that guy. And how excited it would have been. I can feel something. I can feel a touch. But connect that to us. Like the leper feeling the touch of Jesus. See, I, I suspect there are people in every church, and ours included, that also need to feel the touch of Jesus. See, when Jesus touched this man, he's, Jesus initiated it. And he entered the world, but Jesus wants to enter our world as well. Do we catch that? He's longing to enter us, to give us a touch, but are we willing to do that? Let me finish the section here, jump ahead here for communion. Look at verse 43. Let me just make a couple comments here. 43, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. 
couple thoughts here. Understand, as you tell him to go show the priest, the, the priest was the only one that could say, unclean. And by the way, this probably wouldn't have been just any priest. He would have probably had to go back to Jerusalem in order to officially be deemed un, or clean again. But he gives him a warning here. Leper, Mr. Leper, don't say anything to anyone. And, you know, when you pause and think, you go, what would our reaction have been? If he, if he would have made us clean, we had leprosy? I can kind of understand, to be honest, his disobedience there. <laughs> and why wouldn't he go tell people, I'm healed, I'm clean. But I think there's a couple reasons that really we need to understand, why did Jesus tell him that? Well, I think the first one is here. He didn't want this man to be the show. You know, he didn't want this guy going to Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram and putting this out. Why? Because he didn't want to draw attention to himself. Jesus didn't need the attention. But there was a second reason, I think, that intersects with that as well. Jesus understood this, that physical healing oftentimes overshadows spiritual healing. You, you catch that? I think even in our culture today, when we're healed physically, there's great praise, and we go, oh, yeah, we're, we're saying, hey, God, thank you. But the, Jesus is saying this, the most important issue is not the physical. It's in the spiritual world. And he came to heal spiritually. That was his mission. The separation between God and man. He came to be that one that was going to reconcile that relationship. So he didn't want the physical overshadowing his real message. He wanted to stay on task of saying the message is that I am the one that's going to die for your leprosy. I'm the one that's here. I'm the son of God that's going to take the bear your, my, your sins on me. So that's what was his focus. But let me go back to that last point. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus can touch the worst of sinners today and make them clean spiritually? Or maybe it's this, you're one here today, you have never really bent your knee and bowed to Jesus and said, Jesus, heal me spiritually. Maybe you're stuck there. That you like independence. You don't like to bend your will to Jesus. But, but can I challenge you and say this, Jesus wants you to feel his touch in a spiritual way. And all you have to do is you put your trust and your faith in him and you invite him into your life and say, take away the junk of my life. Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you. Maybe that's you here today. Or, or there also another group could be here that we're trapped in something. And there might be a place where there's something in our lives that we're going, I'm in bondage to. Can I say this? Jesus needs to enter our world and give us a touch if that's us. 
See, He died for the leprosy of sin that we might be healed and, un- and clean as well. Not just healed in a physical sense, but that we're in His eyes, He looks at us and says, clean. He wants us to be clean in our walk with Him. I'm going to ask the elders to come on up. And we want to serve communion here today. But folks, do you realize the the enormity of this table here today is this represents Jesus making us clean. He died for our leprosy. He, He died for us so we wouldn't have to be a leper anymore. And He wants to set us free. He wants to set us free. But here's what I would invite you to do. Maybe there's some here today that after communion, you just need to come down in the first couple rows and you just need to pray and you need a touch with Jesus and you want to meet him. And I would say be bold and courageous if that's you and you need some healing spiritually in your life, no matter what it is, it might be discouragement, it might be others' junk, whatever, but does God want to meet you? Does Christ want to meet you? He wants to touch you and give you freedom. So I'd invite you to do that. Elders are willing to pray with anybody as well after the service. They'll just watch and see, but maybe you just want to come up here and pray alone and just spend a few minutes talking to Jesus. It takes boldness to do that, by the way. But that, that's an option for you here today. I'm going to ask the elders to hand out the bread. And a reminder this morning for us is that we do practice open communion. If you know Christ is your Savior, would you just um, participate with us? And, and just ponder the goodness and the grace of God as you're, taking, as you're taking and holding that bread. Just take a moment and thank Him that He made us, that we're lepers, He made us clean. And he restored a relationship with us. We just ask that you would hold that and we'll participate together.